to you by the Las Cruces Sun News. This is Straight Shooter. What is going on, everybody? This is Justin Martinez, a.k.a. Jade Sports Dude. And if you are listening right now, let me just say thank you for tuning in to Straight Shooter, the podcast where I shoot from the hip and give you everything that you need to know about the New Mexico State men's basketball team. This is episode four of our season-long journey. So if you're a returning listener, then welcome back. I missed you. And if you're new to the program, well, then welcome to the family. Where have you been all my life? Guys, we have a lot to talk about today. So sit back and relax because I got... You, I'm coming to you from a place I like to call the saloon. So, bartender, what do we have on tap for today? On tap today is an update on New Mexico State's quarantine, the Aggies' plan to return to play, and a look at the whack so far. Alrighty, thank you, bartender. It's time for segment number one, which is an update on New Mexico State's quarantine. The Aggies announced on December 5th that a player tested positive for COVID-19, and they paused all basketball activities as a result. The team went into quarantine mode after that, where it tested six times throughout the next 10 days, and it was announced on Monday that another person tested positive within the group. Now, during all of this, New Mexico State had to cancel games against Santa Clara, Cal Poly, and Arizona, but the Aggies finally got some good news on Wednesday. The team returned to the court at Arizona Grant Resort and Spa for its first practice in 12 days. That's right, basketball is back for New Mexico State. It took a little bit longer than expected. The Aggies were hoping to practice on Tuesday, except they didn't get their test results from the weekend in time, and that's why they had to wait until Wednesday afternoon, but they finally got that back and got back to it. So that's one hurdle that's been cleared, but there's still a few more obstacles in the way for New Mexico State, which leads us into segment number two. So that buzzer means it's time for segment number two, which is an update on New Mexico State's return to play. The Aggies don't have any non-conference games on their schedule at the moment, leaving their whack opener against Dixie State on January 8th as their soonest matchup. So who are some possible teams for New Mexico State to face off against before that? Well, the most obvious choices are UTEP and UNM. The Aggies normally play two games against each of their rivals per season. And the question I keep getting from everybody is, will that happen this year? Well, it's in the works, but it's constantly changing. New Mexico State AD Mario Mocha said in early November that dates for both matchups were already on the books, but that changed with New Mexico's relocation and UTEP's pause on basketball activities due to a positive test. One thing that hasn't changed, though, is New Mexico State's desire to play against its rivals. Whether it's Mario or head coach Chris Jans, the Aggies have been adamant that scheduling games against UTEP and UNM is the top priority for non-conference play. Jans was asked about the rivalry contest in his weekly press conference this past Monday, and this is what he had to say about it. Bartender, change the channel real quick. You got it, boss. You know, starting today and tomorrow, we'll probably be more aggressive than we have been in terms of trying to figure out potential days that will work for those type of games and doesn't change my stance from, you know, from day one that they're critical and important to our, our program, to our fan base, to theirs as well. You know, I don't have a feel for exactly the importance, you know, for, for other programs. I don't like to talk about those type of matters, but um it, you know, this, this pause has certainly made it more difficult because everybody's got to do their thing. You know, everybody's got to schedule their games and you can't sit back and, and wait and hold dates going, well, if they get on pause, we can play them here. You know, you can't work like that. And, and then conference play obviously is beginning. Um, so it, it's, it's more difficult, but 
a lot of it depends on teams that they're scheduled to play. And if, if both teams stay COVID free, you know, that that's kind of what's happening, right? Um, when, when a team um, goes on pause, then everybody looks at that schedule and sees potential game opportunities and people are calling those teams that are losing games and we're no different. And in terms of those specific uh, traditional rivalry games that we played, um, you know, the windows get smaller, obviously, the, the deeper we get into the season, but um, we'll have more specific talks with those guys in the next couple of days to see where they're at. And, and certainly we'll update them where, where we're at and uh, see if, you know, it can happen. So there you have it, folks. That was New Mexico State head coach Chris Jans talking about how the team is actively trying to finalize some dates with UNM and UTEP. But as much as people would like to see those specific games happen, I think it's crucial for the Aggies to just get some Division I matchups of any kind under their belts before WAC play. Because as of right now, New Mexico State only has a pair of NAIA wins over Arizona Christian and Benedictine Mesa to its name. And it needs to face that D1 competition to prepare itself for a run in a conference where teams are playing better than expected. Speaking of which, that leads us perfectly into segment number three. So that buzzer means it's time for segment number three, which is a look around the WAC. New Mexico State seemed to be the heavy favorite in the conference heading into this season, but that gap has definitely shrunk since then. A few WAC teams have been looking pretty impressive in non-conference play, and I'm going to run through the list here in order from worst record to best record so far. The first team is Chicago State. The Cougars have already played seven games, and they're winless as of right now. Their top performer isn't much of a surprise as last season's leading scorer, Xavier Johnson. The senior point guard is averaging 9.7 points per game, although that's on 31.4% shooting from the floor. He also has three more turnovers than assists so far this season, which is something that he also struggled with last year. Chicago State's best game so far is an 84-61 loss to Ohio on November 25th. That's the team's second closest game, and the Bobcats are the 108th best team in the country, according to Kempom. Next up is Utah Valley. The Wolverines are 2-4, and four, and their top performer so far is redshirt sophomore Fardaz Amok. The 6'11 center is averaging 15.5 points and a ridiculous 14.5 rebounds per game through six contests, and he's looking like one of the WAC's best big men this year because of his dominance down low. Utah Valley's most impressive game so far is a 75-67 loss to Utah on Tuesday. The Utes are ranked 65th in the country, according to Ken Palm, and are a Pac-12 team, so the hang around with them is definitely impressive. Now we have Tarleton State. The Texans are 2-2 two two this season, although they just announced on Monday that they're on pause due to COVID-19 protocols. As they describe it, the team's top performer so far is junior Montre Gibson. The 5'11 point guard is averaging a team-high 13.7 points to go along with 5 rebounds per contest. Really impressive work on the boards considering his height. Gibson only has 5 assists to his name through 3 contests, but he's definitely a bucket getter. The Ranger College transfer is shooting 59.1% from the floor and 55.6% from deep, although that's only 5 for 9 shooting. Tarleton State's best game so far is a 73-66 loss to Texas A&M on December 2nd. The Aggies are ranked 78th in the country, according to Ken Palm, and the fact that the Texans gave them a scare is an encouraging sign for when WAC play begins. Let's move on to Seattle now. The Red Hawks are 4-4 this season, and their top performer so far is junior Riley Grigsby. The 6'6 forward is averaging a team-high 17.8 points to go along with 4.4 boards per game. 
Grigsby is averaging an insane 34.8 minutes per contest, and he's also shooting an impressive 47.4% from distance. Seattle's best game so far is a 63-45 win over Air Force on November 29th. The Falcons are ranked 257th in the country, according to Ken Palm, which isn't the best. Seattle has played better teams such as UCLA and Washington, but the team has struggled to play up to its competition, losing both of those contests by an average of 29 points. Next up is Cal Baptist. The Lancers are 3-2 this season, and their top performer so far is sophomore Reed Nottage. The 6'6 guard is averaging a team-high 17.2 points to go along with 6.4 rebounds per game, and he's shooting 40% from behind the arc. Cal Baptist's best game so far is a 95-87 overtime loss to USC on November 25th. The Trojans are ranked 39th in the country according to Ken Palm, and the Lancers were only a shot or two away from pulling off the upset. After that, we have UTRGV. The Vaqueros are 5-2 this season, and their top performer so far is sophomore Quinnen Johnson II. The 6'6 guard is averaging 14.4 points and 7 rebounds per game in a starting role, and if there was a whack most improved award, he'd be in the running for it. UTRGV's best game so far is an 81-64 win over UTSA on November 28th. The Roadrunners are ranked 173rd in the country according to Ken Palm. Now we have Grand Canyon. The Lopes are 4-1 this season, and their top performer is sophomore Javon Blackshear Jr. The 5'11 point guard is averaging 14 points to go along with a team-high 5.6 assists per contest, and he's looking like he might just be the best point guard in the WAC this year. Grand Canyon's best game so far is a 71-70 loss to Arizona State on Sunday. The Sun Devils are ranked 46 in the country, according to Ken Palm, and anytime you can hang around with the Pac-12 team, that's definitely something to be happy with. Grand Canyon fell a bucket shy of what would have arguably been its most impressive win in program history. And finally, we have Dixie State. The Trailblazers are 3-0 this season, and their top performer so far is junior Cameron Gooden. The 5'11 point guard is averaging a team-high 13 points to go along with 4 assists per contest, although he's shooting 37.9% from the floor. Gooden spent last season at Kilgore College, an NJCAA school, and he's rising up the point guard ranks in the WAC pretty quickly. Dixie State's best game so far is a 74-73 win over North Dakota on December 2nd. The Fighting Hawks are ranked 245th in the country according to Ken Palm, which isn't eye-catching, but every Division I win is big for a Dixie State program making the move to D1 basketball this year. So that's a look around the WAC so far, and it seems like once conference play does begin, we're going to be in for some pretty stiff competition. Alrighty guys, so that was supposed to be all we had on tap for today, but we do have some bonus content. That's right, folks. Finals for the fall 2020 semester are now over at New Mexico State, which means that South Florida transfer Mayan Kerr has completed two full semesters of residency and is therefore eligible to suit up for the Aggies. The 6'9 redshirt junior didn't play for the Bulls last season due to personal reasons, but he did average 4.7 points and 2.7 rebounds per game two seasons ago. Now Kerr is a strong rim protector, and he has some solid footwork on the block as well. He's also New Mexico State's best true center on the team right now. Johnny McCants is currently running at the 5, but he's better suited for the 4 spot, and William McNair is still very much a project in my opinion. So with Jabari Rice sidelined for another 4-6 to six weeks with a foot injury, I do expect Kerr to slide into the team's starting lineup. By my projection, it would be Evan Gilliard II, Clayton Henry, Donnie Tillman, Johnny McCants, and Mayan Kerr holding down the 5 spot. But New Mexico State has another player still waiting to gain eligibility, and that's Oklahoma State transfer Marcus Watson. Now reported in late November that the redshirt freshman's initial waiver request 
and his appeal to become immediately eligible were both denied by the NCAA, meaning he'd have to sit out until February 1st of 2021. That's when he'd reach that full year of residency, similar to what Mayan Kerr had to do. Now, there was hope that Watson could still get on the court before that time, especially with Wednesday's news. The NCAA's Division I Council voted to approve a proposal that makes all transfers immediately eligible for the 2020-2021 season. However, I confirm with the team today, I'm talking about Thursday here, the Watson is still ineligible until February 1st. Now, the team still hasn't told me which part of the criteria Watson did not meet, but we can go over the requirements right now. The first one is that the blanket waiver only applies to student-athletes who are sitting out for the first time from a four-year university, and this is the case for Watson. He came over from Oklahoma State to New Mexico State, and with him being a freshman, this was his first time making a move. The second requirement is that the student-athlete must be enrolled full-time in the fall semester of 2020. Again, Watson checks this off the list. He enrolled at New Mexico State in February of this year, which is well before the fall semester start time in August. And the third requirement is that the student-athlete must have left his previous school in good standing, both academically and in regard to any possible disciplinary situation. Now, that's the important one here because Watson was suspended by Oklahoma State in October of 2019 after a female student accused him of rape and requested an emergency protective order. Now, no criminal charges were filed following an investigation, but Watson left the team shortly after that, and it certainly doesn't fall under the category of good standing. Again, I'm working on confirming with the team that this is why he didn't meet the criteria, but it certainly seems to be the case. Now, what we do know for sure is that the former four-star recruit will have to wait another month and a half to make his Aggie debut. So once again, this is an episode that doesn't include an upcoming game preview. I wish we had some basketball to talk about, but with New Mexico State no longer on pause, it's looking like that will change soon. Fingers crossed, guys. But for now, that is going to do it for episode four of Straight Shooter. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, share it with the rest of Aggie Nation, and consider subscribing or following, depending on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you guys want to stay up to date with all things Aggie Hoops, make sure to follow me on Twitter at JDesportsDude and subscribe to the Las Cruces Sun News. This has been Justin Martinez, a.k.a. Jade Sports Dude, and I'll see you guys next Wednesday. I'm out.